Our scripture text this morning comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. Listen for a word from God. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to the one who asks of you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for your word. Pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us. Amen. When I uh, led a youth group in Seattle, Washington, we played a game every once in a while that I thought was so much fun. It was a scavenger hunt called Bigger and Better. Maybe some of you have participated in things like this before, but what you do is you get all of the groups together and you give them a small item, usually a paper clip. And then you give them a time limit and say, okay, you have one hour to go out into the world, into the neighborhood or the shops or wherever you are and try to exchange this paper clip for things that are bigger or better. And so the groups would go door to door or shop to shop and say, hey, we have a paper clip. Can you give us anything that's bigger or better? And someone might give them a quarter. And then at the next house, they'd say, okay, we have a quarter. Can you give us anything bigger or better? And maybe they get a coffee cup. And so on and so on and so on until your time limit is up and you return to the church with whatever you have that is hopefully the biggest and the best and whichever group has the biggest, best item wins. So there was legend when I was working with this youth group that one time a group had left with a paperclip and returned with a car. And I think this is probably just urban legend, and I don't know if the car was running or not or any of the circumstances, but people said, hey, this can be done. In one hour, you can turn a paperclip into a car. So that was always the challenge, and we had so much fun with it. This is a silly sort of game, but it, it demonstrates this human desire and tendency we all have to escalate, to turn something small into something bigger and then bigger and then bigger and then bigger. And we human beings are really good at escalation. We're drawn to it. And unfortunately, one of the things that we escalate most often our negative experience. We escalate anger, we escalate frustration, we escalate hatred, 
And it starts small and gets big. This has happened since the beginning of time. In fact, even in the fourth chapter of the Bible, we read a story about jealousy that escalated all the way to the point of murder with Cain and Abel. Jesus sees these tendencies of negative escalation in human beings, and here in the Sermon on the Mount, he pushes really, really hard against those tendencies. Jesus quotes some of the law, the law of the people of God that we find back in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and he says, you remember what the law is, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. This goes way back to Moses on Mount Sinai giving people the Ten Commandments and then the laws. And and this law said if there is harm, if there is injury, the penalty should fit the crime. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, and so on. And it sounds like kind of a harsh law, but at its origin in this place that we read about in the Hebrew Bible, it was actually about justice. It was about making sure that there was a punishment that was appropriate. It was a pushback against the kind of blood feuding that would happen where one small thing would escalate into something much bigger and out of proportion. There might be one family that had bread stolen from a neighbor, and the neighbor in retaliation steals a goat And then the first one, in retaliation, kills someone in the other family. And then in retaliation, they kill three people, and so on, and so on, and so on, until there's so much bloodshed over one loaf of bread that it spiraled out of control. So originally, this law was meant to hold people to justice, to say, don't let it escalate. Let the punishment fit the crime. But Jesus has been watching what happens, that even when people retaliate in this way, they're missing out on the presence of God. Even when the punishment seems to fit the crime, even when it is just, there is something that is missed about the love of God. So in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, wait, I have a different idea. This is the fourth Sunday that we have spent thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has already said some pretty outlandish things in this sermon, things that would have sounded jarring to the people hearing them as much as they're jarring for us still today. Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you who are hungry and thirsty and persecuted. You are the ones who are salt and light for the world. Examine your hearts. Don't murder, yes, but don't even let the seed of anger in your own heart grow into that. Don't commit adultery, yes, but don't even let the desire to covet and lust enter into your heart. And now here, Jesus says, turn the other cheek, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. Jesus has said a lot of eyebrow-raising things already in this sermon, but this might be the point if I were listening in that first context where I would have thought, okay, now 
you've gone too far, this is absolutely impossible. We human beings love to escalate. Revenge in the face of hurt is a very natural human tendency. And we live in a culture that celebrates anger and fighting and disparaging other people. I remember um, as a young girl going to my first sporting event, and it was a minor league uh, baseball game with the Colorado Zephyrs. And I was so excited to be there. It was a beautiful day. And I remember that when the other team came out, I have no idea who it was, uh, people booed them. And I remember getting, being a little confused, first of all, but then kind of getting swept up in it and being like, yeah, boo! And then I remember thinking, wait, I bet they have moms. And I remember as this kid thinking, well, wh wait, this seems kind of funny. I think those players might have moms. But wow, we get so caught up in a culture that normalizes booing, don't we? Not just in sporting events, but especially in places like social media where we have this protection of a screen and we forget that people on the other side are human beings. Jesus saw this tendency of negativity and escalation and knew that this wasn't going well for the people. I want to pause for a moment to be clear in saying that this text is not saying we should condone evil or appease bullies. This text is not saying we should be a doormat or turn the other way and ignore evil. It is not saying we should stay in abusive relationships and situations and we should keep quiet about our hurts. The encourage, encouragement that Jesus gives is still about resistance. Still about resisting in an incredibly powerful way, but one that is very unexpected. Jesus is saying to the people, in the face of hurt and harm, what if revenge isn't your only option? In a world that loves negative escalation and retaliation, what if you did something different? Now, this is the text that really formed Martin Luther King Jr.'s ideas about nonviolent resistance. And he wrote about it and said in a really interesting way, you know, at first this text about turning the other cheek and praying for those who persecute you, at first, King said, I thought it was more about interpersonal relationships, a one-on-one -on -one offense. But after having studied and read and watched Gandhi, I can see that it's actually about something bigger. You can resist oppressive systems. You can oppress huge systematic issues like racism and white supremacy, even in this way that Jesus shows us. In a world that loves negative escalation and retaliation, what if you did something different? I went to a uh, very intense driver's ed school when I was 15. And at the time, I was so frustrated with my parents for making me go because it was way more hours than any of my friends had to spend learning to drive. But it was a really great 
program. And the program was run all by volunteers who were passionate about creating safe drivers. And unfortunately, the reason so many of them were passionate about this is because they'd lost loved ones in traffic accidents that could have been preventable or in instances of road rage. And so these people wanted to teach the next generation of drivers um, to not follow those patterns. So we spent hours and hours and weekends and weekends in classrooms and in cars, and I will say I'm an incredible driver. I don't know that Pastor Garrett would agree, but I think I am an incredible driver. But there was one instructor who one time told us, I vividly remember in the classroom, he said, there is going to be conflict on the road, no matter what. You will do something to make someone else mad. Someone else will do something to make you mad. There will be accidents. There will be problems. And often when those things happen on the road, we expect retaliation and we often expect to see a certain finger and it's not a thumbs up, right? This is how ex people express their anger on the road. And so this instructor told us, any time that you feel like you want to flip someone off or you think someone else might want to flip you off, I want you to stop, I want you to smile at them and wave. He said, I know it's not going to be easy and you might have to do it through gritted teeth, but I want you to just try it. It's something that I have done since that day. And I can't even tell you how amazing it is to see people's reactions. Not too long ago, someone did something to me where they would have assumed that I would have been really, really angry. And when we ended up next to each other at a stoplight a little later, I just turned my head and smiled and waved, and this guy's face melted. And then he kind of bowed his head and did a sort of embarrassed nod and wave, and you could just feel the tension melt away. What if, in the face of hurt and harm, we didn't escalate in that way? A few years ago, a story came out of uh, Washington, D.C. about this group of people having a, a dinner party in their backyard one summer night. And there were eight of them gathered around the table. They were sharing stories and celebrating a birthday and having cake and dinner and wine and dessert and having a wonderful, wonderful time. And all of a sudden, someone came into the backyard with a gun and threatened them and asked for money. This man was pointing the gun at their heads and they were all understandably frantic and worried. They didn't have money out there with them, so they were kind of scrambling to know what to do. And they tried a few different things. First, one of them uh, started to try to guilt this guy and say, what, what are you doing, man? Think about it. What would your mom say about what you're doing right now? This made him more angry, and they thought, this is not going to go well. Then, from across the table, one woman said, you know, we're here celebrating tonight. Would you like a glass of wine? And she held up a glass of wine for the man. He looked very confused. And then he took it and took a sip and said, wow, that's good wine. And they said, yeah, we've got great food here. Is there anything else you'd like? He put his gun in his pocket and picked up a piece of cheese and ate it. And then they said he asked for a hug. He looked down and he said, I'm sorry, I think I might have come to the wrong place. 
can I have a hug? They surrounded him in a group hug, and he walked out and left. In the psychological world, we call this non-complementary behavior. We're so used to mirroring hostility to hostility, anger to anger, we expect escalation. And so when someone does something so unexpected, it's non-complementary, the whole paradigm shifts. And it often throws people off so much that they just don't know what to do, and suddenly they're awake to the humanity around them. It isn't about giving in to the evil, it's about resisting it with a kind of love. One last story I want to share with you happened about 10 years ago on a college campus, not too far from here. And a student was there minding her own business in line at the library, and someone snapped a picture of her and put it up online in a forum that was meant to make fun of her. She is a Sikh woman, she had a turban on, and she has facial hair. And this person posted this comment and this picture, and people commented saying all kinds of negative things about her appearance. Later, this woman, whose name is Balpur, had her roommate say, hey, I saw this online, I just wanted you to know about it, and so she went to look at it herself. She, uh, I could imagine, would have been in a place where she wanted to retaliate where she wanted to say negative things about the guy that had posted the picture in the first place, maybe where she even wanted to sue somebody for attack, for emotional damages. But instead, she posted on the picture, and this is what she said. Hi, guys. This is Balpreet, the girl from the picture. I'm not embarrassed or even humiliated by the attention this picture is getting. This is who I am. The overarching principle of my faith is that my body is a tool for service. We have to maintain and take care of it and cherish its original form. My facial hair doesn't stop me from being normal or doing service. It's not a hindrance. I've been to a doctor, and it's just a side effect of a hormone level during my teenage years. I don't regret anything, nor do I view it as an unfortunate thing. My attitude and thoughts and actions have more value in them than my body. By not focusing on physical beauty, I have time to cultivate those inner virtues and hopefully focus my life on creating change and progress for this world in any way I can. Wow. Her response was an amazing act of love, and maybe even more amazing was that after this post, the original poster, the one that had put the picture up in the first place, came back and apologized. He saw her humanity, and he apologized. In a world that loves negative escalation and retaliation, what if you did something different? When we pray for our enemies, we suddenly are forced to see them in the way that God might see them. What if we escalated, but escalated with love? I think of anyone we should be able to do this if we call ourselves Christians, because we have a glimpse of the bigger picture. 
a friend of mine worked for a startup graphic design company, and they were all these young, really passionate people, and they would often fight in their meetings really intensely. And the boss of this company had a laminated picture of space. And my friend said that she would get this out when meetings got really heated and point to the Milky Way galaxy and say, hey, you guys, we are on a tiny blue floating dot. Does this font decision really matter this much? And they would sort of step back and laugh and reorient themselves. Say, yeah, we can still be passionate and make decisions and really fight for what we believe in, but sometimes we need to just let our ego go. Sometimes we need to step back and see the bigger picture. And as Christians, part of that bigger picture for us is acknowledging not only are we small on this little blue dot in the middle of a galaxy, but we have a God that knows and loves us exactly as we are and still calls us beloved. A God that's cultivating a kind of kingdom where we all treat each other with the knowledge that we are beloved children of God. With that perspective, we have the capacity to escalate in love instead of anger. In the face of hurt and harm, what if you resisted nonviolently with creativity or kindness even? What if you escalated with love and flipped the script so that everybody around couldn't help to be so disoriented that they saw the humanity around them? Who are your enemies? Will you pray for them this week? Let's pray together. Holy God, In times when we want to escalate with negativity, give us pause. Help us to smile and wave, not to be passive, but to disrupt the systems of oppression and the systems of anger that fuel us far too often. Give us space to see your grace and to infuse it everywhere we go. In the name of Jesus, we pray.